1: The following is a presentation of the Belly up Sports Media Network. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rising to the Occasion. Uh, we're going completely virtual today, making sure that we can hop on here and give you guys some updates on some of the stuff that's going on. We're going to talk a lot of different co- coaching moves, whether it be in college football, the NFL, even the NHL. We're starting to see a lot of different coaching moves and coaching hiring, firing, things going on. That's really going to shake up a lot of the sports world. We want to dive into it and talk about it with you guys and kind of give you some of our opinions on some of these moves. And we're also going to get to some other news outside and a couple of different sports as well. But let's start off by, of course, as always, bringing in my co-host for the evening. I got Jeremy here with me, man. Jeremy, how you doing?
0: Doing pretty good. Had a long day at work, but obviously it's always good to unwind and then come and do this for the podcast and bring you guys some coverage of what we decide of what we're bringing to you guys. But I mean, um, same thing with what you just listed off, Josh. We had a lot of coaches that are parting ways and making a next step into a new position and new jobs and whether you said like you said between college, NFL, NHL, whatever the situation is, it's it's becoming a lot more and more to, to, towards the time that you kind of see this start to you get this far in the season, you start to see teams make a little bit of moves here to try and help their teams go down towards the later end of the of the season, and um, there's also one that we. Are also going to bring up. I'm not going to get too much into it, but it involves some guy named DK Metcalf. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but DK Metcalf has gotten in a little bit of—I I don't want to say trouble, but it, we'll it's definitely going to be something interesting. Yeah. So, guys, stick around, and you'll you'll hear the good side of the story.
1: Yeah, but let's start off with this coaching carousel and everything that's going on. But I guess first and foremost, I better not forget. We better always uh, mention mm-hmm. our sponsors. And the sponsor for today is SeatGeek. We've got SeatGeek up on the schedule, uh, and the reason why we we partner with SeatGeek is because it truly is just a sponsor that we can stand by. It's one that we love. We love to use SeatGeek, and SeatGeek just has one of the best platforms when it comes to uh, you know finding any kind of tickets. You know, if you're a fan of live events, any kind of sports, music, theater. Uh, You just know how challenging it can be to find the right seats and the right tickets at the right place and the right price. Uh, And that's where SeatGeek really comes into play. With a seamless mobile experience, SeatGeek allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps. It doesn't really get any simpler than that, guys. But it gets even better because SeatGeek grades every ticket from red to green based on value to help you immediately find the best seats for your budget. So whenever you see those red, you know it's not as good of a value, may not be as good of seats for the price, and they're automatically telling you what the best value is when you look at those color codings. Makes it so simple to find the best value. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop securely and with a complete peace of mind, knowing that SeatGeek has your back, and they're gonna make sure that they give you your tickets and what you paid for, and you're not gonna have to worry about any kind of scams. Uh, You know, and we love SeatGeek so much that we teamed up with them to get you guys an amazing offer. You can use our code, which is down there, and it'll also be down in the description. You can use code R2TO at checkout, and boom, you'll get $20 off your next ticket purchase. That's right. Just download the SeatGeek app or visit SeatGeek.com. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K.com and pick out those perfect tickets and enter the promo code R2TO for an awesome $20 off, guys. SeatGeek, life is an event, and we have your tickets. Now let's roll on with the show because, like we said, we've got a lot to get to. And, Jeremy, it's really crazy when you look at some of these moves, and especially college football, and I feel like every year you're going to kind of have stuff like this going on in college football. We're going to have a lot of big coaching moves. There's even others that we're going to get to here that just are kind of, of they're, they're wild uh, and pun intended um, because we'll get to that one here in just a minute too. But let's start off with Mike Elko. I think if we're grading – Current hires, this might be the best on the list. Um, it's also one of the biggest question marks, I think, on the list. And uh, really, there's a couple of them that have been going on. Really, the three that we're going to talk about today in college football, I have really big question marks, and I'm excited to see the future for each of them. But with Mike Elko going to Texas A&M, he's got a 16-9 and 9 total record as a head coach. Not too bad starting off brand new. And as a head coach, you've been with the Duke Blue Devils. You know, like that—that's your team. He's one and zero in bowl games, uh, and he went nine and four his first year with the Duke Blue Devils. Who we've talked about these guys—they're—they're they're a basketball school, and all of a sudden we're talking about them in football. Like, man, they, these guys can beat Clemson to start off the season. These guys can can knock Clemson into a downward spiral, uh, and even last year we saw them stand up and have an eight-win regular season, go on to win a bowl game, to win nine wins. As as the Duke Blue Devils, that's just absolutely crazy. Uh, and that that military bull win versus UCF, who was nine and four going into that game, they beat them thirty to uh, thirteen. So I mean, just a, a really good two years there with the Duke Blue Devils. Texas A and M sees what he's capable of over there, and they want to bring that talent over to A and M. How how are you? How do you grade this uh, this hire, and how do you like it for the future for the Texas A and M Aggies?
0: If I had to give you an honest grade, I think this is a this is a really good hire. I'd probably honestly give this an A for the Texas Tech Road Raiders for this kind of a situation. Like you just listed Texas off A&M all those Bays. stats. Yeah, Texas A&M. I don't know <laughs> why I'm thinking Texas, Texas Tech, Kitcher. but um, yeah, but um, no, still, this is a really really good pickup for them. I mean, like you just said, going one and zero in a bowl game and having a sixteen and nine record—that's really really good. And Like you even mentioned, this is a, this is against a school that we just normally think is a basketball school now. Like I said, these last couple of years, these teams that, like I said, have just been basketball dominant, they've all of a sudden came out of the woodwork and just shown that they're trying to become a more dominant team, whether it's just on the basketball court or on the football field, or if not both, and just trying to keep progressively success throughout the entire year. And now to me, I think this is a really, really good situation for them moving forward. I can sincerely see these teams, they can easily – with. With having a good coach like that now being added to your roster and then way he could probably pick apart between players and find each strengths and weaknesses to all the players there, I guarantee you this is probably going to be a good turnaround for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see these guys appear more often in a bowl situation here and even in a bowl game in my honest opinion, Josh.
1: Yeah, and with, with Texas A&M too, you know that they've been extremely disappointed. They get Jimbo Fisher in and they think that they're going to make – a lot of big splashes with him and Jimbo Fisher's known for going and, and, and winning a national championship with FSU and uh, and seeing how he performed as a head coach over there. You expect him to bring that kind of a talent over and it just always fell flat. They had all of the hype in the beginning of the season. They might get a big win against Alabama, but they can't finish off the season to go on and win anything too big. And it it's just that they fell flat in, in just about every season with with him. And now they go into a season This past season and not, you know, I guess last year they didn't even make a bowl game. Uh, and, and this past year, another bad year for the Aggies. And now, uh, you know, they, they move on from him and they fire him and giving him a lot of money to walk out that door. And as Ed O'Dron said is, uh, where's the door and how fast do you want me to leave? You know, <laughs> if you're going to mm-hmm. give me that much money to leave, I'm going to leave as soon as you want me to. Uh, and, and it's just crazy. You get rid of Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm and you don't really have a whole lot of big picks now because you spent so much money to fire him. Uh, so bringing in Mike Elko, I think when I looked at the pay structure too and seeing how they set him up with a lot of big-time bonuses and, and and encouragement to win big games, not just winning games but winning big games. Uh, I know winning uh, winning uh, making it to the playoffs was like a million-dollar bonus, and so that's really big. You just have to make it to the top 12 next year. To make it there and to get to the semifinals was, I think, another two million dollars. And so, seeing how how much that all adds up and how much his his incentives were to win, I really like the way that they structured it personally. Uh, maybe I'll have to dive deeper into it and really read it a little careful because I've seen other people criticizing it personally. I, I looked at it, I just glanced over it, and I think that's a good structure to kind of give more incentives to win big games.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to succeed here, and like you just listed. Alabama or so many other big teams that you can just potentially go into or play at home and try and uh, try and succeed yourself into getting into motivated to where you know you can beat these teams. I think this is definitely a step in the right direction as to where you can say, Hey, we're going to come up to this week. We may be playing Alabama, but I guarantee you we're going to be giving it all a hundred percent on and off the field. and we're going to prepare right and everything. So I still, I still really am hyped for this kind of a, a deal that's going on with them. So I'm really looking forward to the near future. And I'm going to be in the same boat. I'm probably going to have to dig, dig deep a little bit little bit more into this kind of a story just because I think this is definitely going to be something to where this will be a big confidence boost, like I said, for this team and what they can bring potentially to the table next season.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the biggest question mark with Mike Elko is he's pretty new to coaching, only 16 and 9. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a whole yeah. lot. He's only had two seasons as a, as a head coach. But at the same time, you saw what he did with Duke. And again, we've, we've talked about mm-hmm. this several times when we bring up Duke. Every time we bring them up is how physical of a team they are and how big they play. Uh, and I think that's really exciting when you look at a, at a, a coach like him and what he was able to do there. So hopefully he's able to bring that same energy in. And so I think I'm, I'm really excited, but I'm also very, very skeptical. Uh, but going on, mm-hmm. we've got Mississippi State taking my offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, from Oklahoma. He's been with Oklahoma the past two seasons. And really performed really well. He's got the offense statistically in, in the top spot uh, this year. And and seeing what he did last year, I know Oklahoma started off kind of uh, rough with their first season, only going 6-6 six and six in their first season with Brent Venables. Jeff Lubby there coming over with Brent Venables. But then the second season really showing what they're capable of, putting together a high-powered offense, a fast offense, a fast-paced offense that wants to get to the ball and snap it as quickly as possible. Uh, so, so seeing what Jeff Lubby's capable of on the offensive side of the ball – I personally look at him and his leadership skills. I think this is really good. That's a good move for Mississippi State. And then, of course, we talked about this on the last show when we did our recap for uh, Week 13. Uh, you, know, you know that Jeff Levy knows the state of Mississippi because he was an offensive uh, coordinator at Ole Miss before that. He was an offensive coordinator for a year over at UCF before that. And that's how, of course, him and Dylan Gabriel know each other there. And so, you know, with with him being there at Ole Miss, he knows Mississippi pretty well from whenever he had to recruit there. And then uh, on on top of that, knowing the athletic director there who came from Oklahoma as well. So I I think this was a really good hire. I think it was one that a lot of people figured was probably the right move for Mississippi State. Uh, And it was a bummer to see them fire their coach after just one season, not really giving him anything to work with there. But they felt like they had the guy and Jeff Levy, and they ended up getting him in. Uh, And this is his first – head coaching job ever Um, and so I mean this is a really good starting position to go in your first your first head coaching job could could end up being your last if if you play your cards right Um, but how do you grade this one with uh, Mississippi State hiring Jeff Levy
0: This is another one where I think this is a high high prospect to where I see this. To me, it just kind of simply seems like it's a homecoming for Jeff Levy, just because, like you just mentioned, he has so many ties going back to that that going back just to the state of Mississippi. That's really huge, and just being able to go back to a place where you began almost pretty much, and it's just like. I sincerely think this is a confidence booster for Jeff Lebby and what he could potentially bring to the table. Like you said, this is going to be his first time being the the head coach. So this is definitely going to obviously be something different compared to what we're used to seeing out of the normal Jeff Lebby. But at the end of the day, I still sincerely think this is a good move for them. But obviously it's going to be a little bit different not seeing Jeff Lebby on the sideline with Oklahoma, but at the end of the day, like I said, I think this is a good thing for, for the state of Mississippi. And I sincerely think, like I said, this is almost like a homecoming for him just because like you said, how much ties that he has between that and like what you said, between Dylan Gabriel and so many, so many, like I said, just so many ties that he has. And it's a good little thing to come home to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I guess I never gave my, my grade for Mike Elko to AM. I'll, I'll give that one a grade. I'm going to give it an A minus, not quite too much more above that. I wouldn't quite give it a B plus because I think just given the circumstances and who's available mm-hmm. to you, I think it was a good hire. So I'm going to give that one an A minus. Uh, Mississippi State go. hiring Jeff Levy, kind of same situation. It's not a really desirable job. So I think going after an offensive coordinator, why not go after one of the best? And so I, I think Jeff Levy is definitely one of the best offensive minds. Uh, I would say top ten offensive minds in college football right now. I think that was a really good hire, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm I'm going to give them. I might, I might bump them up to an A uh, for for that one. I I, re- I really like that hire. I know you said Mike Elko to A and M was an A. What do you give this one for Jeff Levy to Mississippi State? I would probably honestly do
0: the same same thing. I would probably give him nothing smaller than an A minus. But I think this is a good grade for him. And like I, you said it the best. He's easily, in my opinion, if not the in the top ten list for the best, so I sincerely, I'm the same. I'm in the same boat as you, Josh. I'm going to give him a top grade.
1: Yeah, and and I think also with Mississippi State, I just don't know who you're going to pull into Mississippi State of all places that would have been better than Jeff Levy. So I, I really do like that higher quite a bit. And hopefully, uh, you know, I, yeah. I know a lot of Oklahoma fans ragged on him all season long. They didn't like him uh, and they wanted him out. They got their wish, uh, and and maybe it's a good thing for Oklahoma. I don't blame everything on Jeff Levy this past season. I think there was really just key factors where you there's, certain, there's a certain fine line where you blame players, and I think a lot of the turnovers and things like that were really on the players. Yes, the offensive schemes may not have been thrown out there the right way, so I think he takes some of the blame, but I don't put all the blame on the two losses on Jeff Levy this past season. So I'm sad to see him go. I hope the best for him. But uh, let's go on because Michigan State, uh, they hire – Oregon State's head coach, Jonathan Smith. Uh, He was with Oregon State from 2018 to 2023. I believe this was his first head coaching job. And so he was over there with them, uh, again, 18 to 23. His overall record is 34 and 35, not a great record, under 500. uh, And he's one and one in bowl games, so 50% in bowl games. So I'm looking at this higher. I was talking to, to my brother and my dad about this, who are Nebraska fans, and I said, huh, a Big Ten team seeing Oregon State have one good season and they go and hire their coach. This smells a lot like Mike Riley being hired by Nebraska back whenever Nebraska got rid of Bo Pelini. Uh, So personally, I look at this hire. I don't know. I I don't want to completely rag on this one. Looking from the outside, I'm going to give this one a D plus because I just don't know what you saw And I feel like there was other candidates that Michigan state could have gone after. And I don't think they lost a lot of money when they got rid of Mel Tucker. So I think they had money to spend. Maybe I'm wrong on the money aspect. I need to do more research on that, but just knowing what Michigan state brings into the table, I'm going to give this one a D plus because I just don't know what you see in Jonathan Smith. He had one good season with Oregon state and I just don't see anything outside of that—an under fifty percent uh, and and right at fifty percent bowl games. So I just I, I don't like this hire very much. And like I said, it smells a lot like Mike Riley going from Oregon State to Nebraska uh, back after they they got rid of Bo Pelini. But how are you feeling about uh, Oregon State's head coach Jonathan Jonathan Smith going over to Michigan State? I know I'm smelling something.
0: It does smell kind of fishy in the air a little bit. But I'm in the same boat as you, Josh. I would honestly give this grade. A C minus or a D plus for this kind of a situation. It's one thing to where you're um, you're above five hundred, but if you're under five hundred and having a one on one type of situation, and even like it's just a thirty four and thirty five record, uh, i I'm, I'm not so confident in this kind of a situation. You said it the best. There could have been so many other better people, and I'm not saying that he's. He's on the bottom of the list, but I, I'm not saying he's on the top of the list either. But there could have been so many better options that you that you could have scrolled through, and you happened to pull the sh- his name out of the straw hat. But I mean, I'll, you do you, and I hope you can prove me wrong here. But I don't. I sincerely don't see this going. In the right direction, like what some people can probably think it's going to, but I'm just going to be flat out and say it: I don't sincerely think that it's going to be going in the in the right direction here.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm excited to see what he can do because I could be wrong, uh, and he could totally flip this program around. We and all turn, could be turn it into what we we've, we've used to know Michigan State to be that tough, gritty team that that finds a way yeah. to win. But I just don't see it happening. But uh, you know, and and you know, if I, I would compare. Michigan stayed a lot to Wisconsin last season when they were searching for a coach and Wisconsin pulls in Luke fickle, who I think is an a plus higher. Uh, and so I just, I, I think there was better guys out there. And I know there was a lot of big, big, big time names that were being thrown out for this Michigan state job. I, I just feel like there could have been someone else. And I don't, I just, I don't feel this higher. I really don't. And so uh, I guess, what, what did you give this one for, for a letter grade?
0: I give it a C minus or a D plus.
1: C minus. I like the C minus. I'm going down to a D plus just because it just doesn't smell right. It's that coin flip. It's it's wrong. I I just don't think it's Mm -hmm. good. Uh, And I don't want to say it's a complete failure because he had a good season. He had an eight win season this year with Oregon State and in a tough Pac 12 too. So maybe I'm totally wrong, but you're also going to have to add some of that tough Pac 12 uh, over into the big 10 next year and he's coming over Mm -hmm. there and man, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the way that where they went with this pick. Um, but maybe they had a better reason and maybe they know more than I do. And I will give them the benefit Mm -hmm. of the doubt because I, I don't know as much as these guys do. And I probably, I know that and I understand that, but I just don't like that pick. But moving on from college football, let's move over to the NFL because there was one that was a little bit of a shock but I can totally understand where their mindset is. The Carolina Panthers fire head coach Frank Rake. Uh, so looking at him, he started off this past season. It was his first season as head coach there. Uh, and after just 11 games, the Panther, Panthers fire him for going 1-11. and 11. Uh, A terrible record. And like I said, I can understand their mindset and why they would want to get rid of him. They, but the thing that concerns me about getting rid of him this early was That you just got a number one pick QB and you do not know where you're going with your organization. Uh, he currently has a, a career record, uh, Frank Reich or Rake, I'm not sure exactly how to say his name properly, but uh, his career record is 41 and 43. Uh, so, again, another record that's under 500, not looking great for him as a head coach. But like I said, I can understand where the Panthers are coming with this. You need to move your your team in the right direction fast because you've got some potential with a guy like Bryce Young at the helm and you're trying to add guys around him you've got to figure something out and going 1-11 is absolutely unacceptable so I I think they're going to get a lot of flack for it and I understand that because I do agree with it I think it scares me for the fact that where where are you going you don't know and you have a brand new guy there that needs some sort of sense of direction so uh, i don't like that you fired him for that reason but going one and 11 in your first year really sucks and and uh so i, I can understand it so i'm kind of on a 50 50 flip here on this one uh, and, and i i don't love it but uh, I, I you know I, I don't i don't disagree with it whatsoever um, but how how do you feel about the carolina panthers getting rid of head coach uh, after just 11 games i mean
0: like I said, it's one thing to be a little bit judgmental about the situation, but leading a team to one in 11 with brand new faces coming into Carolina. Like you just obviously said with having Bryce young, a young agile quarterback like that, we've all obviously seen his talent. We can, we can say so much about Bryce young. Then even having other weapons like Adam Thielen now, obviously from the former Minnesota Viking now down to the Panthers. I mean, it, I understand this isn't a stellar stack team, but at the same time it's also one of those situations to where if you're if you're going to get a team like this i wouldn't be so so peppy about it just because you you could do so much more and i, I haven't had a chance to look back at their schedule and like to say who they've played if they if you look at their schedule like we can obviously like we've done in previous episodes mm-hmm. we can break down okay you could have won this one but you didn't you could have beat this one but you didn't you probably couldn't win this one, but obviously you probably lost it. But at the same time, I I don't blame them for for letting him go for having a one eleven record. They definitely need to find some sort of motivation that's just outside of the players just trying to hype each other up and looking into this kind of an aspect, Josh. I sincerely don't I don't blame the Carolina Panthers in this decision that they made. But looking at the overall aspect, something definitely needs to happen to the Carolina Panthers, or otherwise we can definitely easily see these guys being the first pick in the upcoming draft for this next season.
1: Yeah, they probably will be. Um, but by, by the way, yeah, it's gone right now, but I, I I hope that they're able to figure out. I didn't really like the coaching hire. In the something. Beginning. So you know, just seeing that, seeing where they started it off with, I just don't know what you saw. To go down this path, so I guess that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Um, but you know, it, kudos to you for recognizing it wasn't the right thing now, uh, and maybe getting mm-hmm. out of a bad situation before it got worse. Um, so maybe maybe that is the case, uh, and and that's really all the Carolina Panthers can hope for. Hopefully they get it figured out because I think Bryce Young is too good of a talent to waste, uh, and so hopefully he's able to figure it out with that organization. And if not, hopefully he's able to kind of get out of that organization before it gets any worse. But let's go over now from the NFL to the NHL, talking about hockey. Now we've got Minnesota Wild. We remember them making it to the playoffs last year, putting up a really good fight uh, against the Dallas Stars, losing that round, but putting up a really good fight. I think that one went seven games, if I remember correctly, too. And a Minnesota Wild team that has has looked really good, and now they fire their head coach, uh, Dean, uh, maybe you know his last name, Evason, uh, Evason. Um, but He lost seven games in a row this season. They started off just not looking good at all. uh, And two of those games were in overtime too. And so just even more of a heartbreak looking at how they lose those two games. But Minnesota Wild gets rid of their head coach now. uh, And again, really early in the season here. So just kind of an odd move here for him. We saw the Edmonton Oilers get rid of their coach earlier on this season. And now the Wild kind of taking after them. And early on in the season, is this a good move for the Wild? Uh, or do you think maybe they should have tried to keep a hold of and hope for a turnaround here uh, throughout the season?
0: To me, I honestly think they maybe should have held on to them for a little bit longer. I mean, looking at the Minnesota Wild record, I mean they're five and they're five and ten. I understand it's not like you're in the Carolina perspective where you're one and eleven, but I understand that. It, it could simply be that way, but getting on that kind of a down streak is definitely not something. Hey, I will admit they didn't—they didn't become like the San Jose Sharks and almost barely win a game. But I mean, at the end of the day, like there's still a lot of hockey left in this kind of year. But I mean, excuse me, but looking at this kind of perspective, he was a—he was a knowledgeable coach. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not saying that he. Like, any of the coaches that we've obviously mentioned aren't knowledgeable. But, I mean, l- looking at this perspective, I think this was something that was pulled too early. But, I mean, looking at the Minnesota Wild, obviously, with off and so many other talented players that the Minnesota Wild have on their roster, whoever – I can't remember exactly who their, their new head coach is, but um, – I mean, looking at it, I think whoever they get brought in, I think he can definitely get them going in the right direction, hopefully, because obviously we all know in Minnesota Wild, it's, it's the state of hockey, for crying out loud. The Minnesota Wild, we've always known for the Minnesota Wild to be a really good hockey organization, and hopefully – um, their new head coach, he can definitely get this team buzzing and going back into the right direction. And hopefully we can still see the Minnesota Wild back in the postseason like what they should belong to. And hopefully their new head coach, for all we know, he can maybe bring them to a Stanley Cup final. But I'm not going to try and get too far ahead of myself just because, like I said, we got a lot of hockey left. But this is one of the situations to where I really hope that they can get their foot going in the right direction and we got a lot of season left. So let's see what they can easily bring to the table, Josh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I had it, I had it up earlier too. So I knew who their head coach was too. And now I'm trying to think of it. I can't think of who their, uh, their new coach was, but he was taken over for here uh, to kind of close out the season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's tough too to get rid of a, 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 a head coach in the middle of the season. Uh, and that's, that's for any sport. Um, and, and, yeah, like you said, too, I mean, it, it sucks to start off slow like that. But uh, the, the same thing goes, you know, just looking there. There had to have been more to it that they saw uh, to get rid of him, too. I think looking around and it, it always comes down to more than just one single thing. It's not just the record. And that's one thing that us as fans won't ever really fully understand unless you're in that room. What all decisions mm-hmm. truly went into it. Maybe it was a conversation that went bad that also led to that decision. There's there's all kinds of things that could go uh, towards the decision of getting rid of a coach, but uh, in just his record alone, it does hurt to lose those seven ga- games in a row, and like I said, two of them being heartbreakers in overtime, uh, going five uh, oh, oh and five and two in your last seven games is not the way that you want to start. Uh, so looking mm-hmm. at that, that's that's really tough. But some more news from the Wild: we see Wild the Wild forward uh, Ryan Hartman. He's suspended for two games. He trips the Red Wings forward. Uh, Alex uh, Debrincat, Debrincat, yeah, and and Hartman has been considered uh, a repeat offender and will be suspended these two games without pay, losing out on forty one thousand four hundred sixty three dollars in those two games. So he's losing out and, and forfeiting a lot of money. But you know, Jeremy, you and I were watching the the replay of this. It was definitely more than just a trip. It was it was. If anything, it was uh, we were talking about that. It was definitely a slew foot because he he really pulls his foot underneath him and tries to swipe his legs out while pushing above and this is something we just covered it just happened a little bit ago and we were talking about this and again i commend the nhl for stepping in and doing something over this because this is just a dangerous move that needs to be caught and players need to be stopped Uh, and if they're if they're found doing this repetitively it does need to be stopped immediately Uh, and and fines like this maybe this is something that can help them because that's their paycheck and they're bringing that in They, they need that paycheck and you know, especially I mean, if you compare that much money uh, to 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 us, is is a lot. It's it's a decent amount to them too. And so you know, losing out on that money, those two games with forty one thousand dollars, over forty one thousand uh, dollars, that's a lot of money to be to be uh, forfeiting. And I, again, I, I I tip my cap to the NHL for catching this kind of thing and and realizing that this is a problem and trying to stop it too. And I know that it's a lot of it comes from that tragedy with Adam Johnson. Um, that's the reason why they're trying to watch for the player safety even more uh, and, and i wish it didn't come to a tragedy like that to try to keep these players safe but i think this is one of those things too that we've just been brought to the realization of it that hey we need to be careful with this kind of thing because it really is dangerous and not just dangerous to their safety of of their their longevity of playing but uh you know they they the, just the overall safety of their lives uh could be at stake if we're if we're Throwing players down to the the ice, and you know, of course, concussions and you know, just overall injuries are definitely a a bad thing. But now you're having a sharp blade go up in the air. We talked about this before, but uh, you know, it's just it's something that I'm I'm really glad that the NHL is trying their best to try to do something to stop this kind of thing from happening again.
0: Absolutely, but I mean, the way I see this perspective, obviously, like you mentioned, you showed me the video right before we went on the air. And when I when I immediately saw it, I I knew right from the factor that this wasn't just a single trip. It's one thing to where you're losing an edge, for example, and you're going into the player that I understand. But he was just a defenseless player. I was watching the play and then come in and do his actions and. Obviously as we all know with actions comes consequences and this is definitely the consequence. In my honest opinion, I'm really surprised that he didn't get more of a suspension other than two games. I was thinking maybe he was going to get maybe like the max penalty and looking at this kind of a situation, this is something I said it once and I'll definitely say it again. This type this type of stuff needs to stop and this these it may seem like a stupid thing to do, which it is, but you're, you also got a thing in the back of your mind. This is another person's life that you could be talking about. They could fall wrong. They could easily crack their head open and a lot more could simply happen. Now I understand that he's been a a repetitive offender of this type of situation and not just on slew foot, but just any, I shouldn't say any, but just on dirty situations and dirty hits and um, other obstructed things that, he's been in trouble with. But at the end of the day, I still applaud the NHL and Gary Bettman for stepping up and doing the correct responsible thing and having a punishment for this kind of a situation. But seriously, my overall standing about this, you need to think about these actions before you get to it. I know we all, we all know we've all played, we've all played sports. A lot of things happen really, really fast, but at the same time, you also kind of need to think about, your actions and what you're going to do for this kind of perspective. So, my hats off to Gary Bettman and the NHL Committee and Safety Player Development for what they just did. And I sincerely hope that this can just be a thing in the past, and we don't have to necessarily worry about this slew footing situations because it can take a lot of people's lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a thing too. That I mean, as a player yourself, you don't want to be committing committing that because you could hurt the, the player and knocking down. You could hurt yourself, no. and you could hurt the players around you. Uh, and, and you know, obviously, like we like we said too. Now we've been seeing this as such a problem, where you know we've we've seen players' lives being taken from this kind of situation. So it's just something that yeah, it's it's a very dangerous thing. And it, I I agree with you, man. It's it's something. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have to worry about this anymore. Hopefully we can get past this, and and we can just go on to, to loving the sport for what it is but let's let's mm-hmm. come out of a kind of a darker situation and, and out of the NHL as a whole uh, like you were trying to hint and, and jump ahead of us earlier by saying DK Metcalf uh in his little bit of celebration and I don't know we'll we'll talk about this let me let me pull this up cuz I did I was able to get the clip and let's kind of watch this clip and see what DK Metcalf has been learning in the in the offseason we see see him here he gets the touchdown from Geno Smith gets up and instead of celebrating with his teammates gives a little bit of a I don't know, if you you don't know sign language, it just looks like he's just simply kind of throwing something up there. I don't know, just kind of a little sling over the shoulder. But apparently this means 44, my son, uh, and a little bit of a taunt back towards uh, the the player he was going against there. So you brought this to my attention, Jeremy, and it's it's hilarious. I think I've seen him do this in the past, too. I think this is something that people are starting to kind of put compilations together to show where DK Metcalf has actually done this a lot in the past now, too. And that's, that's kind of the funny thing about it. And so, uh, you know, personally, I think this is this is funny. And I know you, you brought something up where it looked like maybe he was getting fined. It looked like maybe that was just false information. I don't think he's being fined for it. I could totally see him getting fined for something like this if he's not careful. But when you see this one and, and, and seeing that, and I'll, I'll replay it for you real quick, Jeremy, just so you can see. Does it look like, would you consider this taunting because he's, of course, number number forty-four is the one covering him. So if he says forty-four, my son, do you consider that taunting? Because to me, he's not looking at him. He's got it back to him. If anything, he's looking out towards the crowd. Personally, I I think this is clean. I think it's extremely clever. I mean, I don't I
0: don't see it as a
1: taunt. Just like you
0: obviously say, he's not looking directly at him. He's not pointing the finger right at him and he's just looking at the crowd. So looking at this perspective, I don't know what to necessarily think of this whole situation is cuz obviously like like Josh said guys, I brought this up to his attention before we started the stream. And from what I got, I shouldn't say what I got told, what I read, And like I said, we don't know if this is all 100% true or not, but from the article that I quickly took a glance at, that DK Metcalf was fined, supposedly. Like I said, this isn't set in stone. He was fined $213,000 for this kind of taunting towards sign language. And apparently DK Metcalf has been learning sign language for an ongoing number of,
1: uh, I don't know if it's necessarily years or just um, I know. Just I know the compilation the- that I saw before. Before you showed me that, uh, there was him doing this like several times in the in the past, where he gets up and does some sort of sign language to kind of you know okay. a little, little bit of a taunt. But I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to this, and it's not getting in the player's face. It's not doing mm-hmm. anything that's directly causing a fight. And so, personally, like I said, I think it's ex- extremely clever, uh, and and I kind of yeah. like it. Uh, and and I. I wish the NFL wouldn't find out about it, but if we found out, I know by now the NFL knows about it. So uh, I don't think this is fine worthy if if it does come to that. Uh, And like I said, I just think it's an extremely clever way to kind of get under your opponent's skin without them knowing.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, take it for granted, D.K. Metcalf, we've obviously watched him play during games. He does have a bit of a temper problem. And we can all probably say that we've all had a temper tantrum problem, but, I mean, you look at D.K. Metcalf Mm -hmm. about – Blown, I shouldn't say blown coverage or blown plays is what I should than really say. And you see DK Metcalf get up and throw a little temper tantrum off of the sidelines. And he goes at it and he takes his aggression out on the player. But if, if this is actually true and it stands, this is definitely something. I think the NFL is definitely going to stick their nose in. And I think this is definitely going to be something to where we're going to see a lot more – uh, personal fouls for I wouldn't say unnecessary roughness, obviously, but like for taunting and just along this kind of an maybe, aspect, maybe just a little because, bit of
1: unsportsmanlike conduct. I can understand that one a yeah. little more, but uh, not. It's yeah. I don't know. For, for me, it's the way he's doing it. He's not facing the player. He's not causing any commotion. So I, I don't I don't know. Unless the unless the player knows what he's saying, I don't know how he is going to catch on to it and, and yeah. in his face.
0: If if the players know. What he is saying, I'll give him credit for that because I've I've learned a little bit of sign language and it it is challenging. So I will have to 100% admit that. But I mean, this is definitely something to where I'm gonna have to keep my keep my eyes out for this kind of a story. Just because if this is true and in the way it stands, I'm definitely gonna be kind of mind boggled about it. And if that punishment, like I said, was true, I want to know uh, what like a. Like further down the road, what a necessary punishment could be if this is a repetitive thing for from now on. So
1: we'll definitely keep a track of this story, Josh. Yeah, yeah. For for now, there has been nothing uh, that we know of. Yeah. Um, but if the rumors are true, and if we know the NFL well enough, they're going to catch on to this and at least try true. to put a stop to it. Uh, and if if it keeps yeah. on going on, probably then step in. So hopefully. Hopefully True. it keeps on going because I think it's clever. I, I really like it personally. It was kind of funny to watch. But let's jump on. Let's get to our FanDuel bets. We've got uh, Tuesday night, and then we've just got ne- this upcoming Thursday. will be the last two nights of November with FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel has been one of our favorites. You guys can go check it out yourself. Go to rising2.com FanDuel. And if you go to that link, it will automatically give you an amazing promo. Uh, and it is betting $5.00. When you first get signed up and automatically getting $150 in bonus bets, all you have to do can do is go to rising2.com fanDuel. That's R-I-S-I-N-G-T-O.com slash F A N D U E L. Go to Rising2.com FanDuel and you can hook yourself up with an amazing promo of betting five dollars and winning $150 in instant uh, bonus cash. So I mean guys, it's an it's an amazing way to get your guys' bankroll started. And whatever you win with those bonus bets is free cash in your pocket, an amazing way to get going, get your bankroll started off on the right foot. Uh, I absolutely recommend FanDuel. It's been one of my newest favorites. Uh, After trying it out this past month, it's really been a lot of fun. They give you all kinds of profit boosts. That promo may vary based on your location, so double-check on that. And you do have to be 21 or older and in the locations where FanDuel is allowed. And please bet responsibly. But we're going to give you our FanDuel bets. Currently right now, uh, let me pull this up because I know I... I had the standings here uh, and I I was able to redo them here it looks like I know I'm in the lead here in the late but Jeremy you're not in last place anymore I will give you that much uh, if I can get these pulled up properly Uh, so it looks like I am in the lead with 5.06 units through the month I'm at nine and three you and Blake are both at seven and five but Blake is just up 0.83 units and you, Jeremy, are up 0. 0.151 units. You had a really good day there on Thanksgiving Day uh, to come away with some, some good bets. Uh, and I think Blake went 1-1 one and one on that day, and so it didn't quite work out in his favor. Ended up losing a little bit. Uh, and so you ended up taking that second-place spot. But I'm out in a very comfortable lead. I just need to be smart for these last two days of betting, and I'll have this one secured. Um, but we're going to bet another one here tonight. I'll start us off. I've got Kentucky minus 5.5 versus Miami. Uh, and that's sitting at minus 120. That's in college basketball. I think Kentucky, man, they they had, I'm trying to think, they had one loss early, earlier in the season that I saw, uh, and I, I can't blame them too much for it. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to have a good game up against Miami, a tough opponent who I think is undefeated right now. But that's sitting, if they're able to pull off that spread, that's sitting at minus 120 for me. And I'm also going to take the St. Louis Blues, plus one and a half versus the Wild. I wanted to take the money line and go with that because that was sitting in some underdog money. But I think if they do lose, they're not going to lose by more than one, so I'm going to take that puck line uh, at minus 184 for the St. Louis Blues against the Wild. What do you got for your fan duel bets on this fine Tuesday, Jeremy?
0: This is going to sound crazy. I didn't do any hockey bets tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I, I actually stuck to the I stuck to the hardwood this time. I went with the Miami. I went with the money line for the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And I have the Milwaukee Bucks winning this at minus 154. Then my other pick, I went with the money line again as well. I went with the OKC Thunder versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I am going with the Oklahoma City Thunder pulling off the dub. At plus one forty six. So, looking at this perspective, I I really hope I can keep on the positive trend here, and hopefully, these guys on the hardwood can let me do some um, some victory dances because hopefully, I can go two and zero. I really hope so, but I mean, we're obviously going to find out. Then, I love Fanduel. This is definitely becoming something that I love a lot more. And I honest, I was really in beginning with a different um different uh stream betting and now that I got to FanDuel this has definitely become my favorite here. So guys seriously do what Josh and I have talked about before. Go check out FanDuel and always first things first, please bet responsibly and please be over the age of twenty one and don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: it's it's a fun way to get yourself in the game. And so uh you know looking at it too with us uh this, this past month if you were just to go in and kind of tail some of our bets uh, let's see, you could be up, man, over over six units, almost, you know, over over seven units total. Uh, and so I mean mm-hmm. just looking at the way that we the way that we've been betting too. Uh we've been doing good as a team overall too. So can't complain there. We're all in the plus. I know Jeremy was down in the minus, put himself back up. And um, so it's looking good. It's a good month for us. Uh, I don't have Blake's yet. Uh he's gonna get that to me before Everything starts tomorrow. Uh, I guess be today on Tuesday. So maybe by the time you guys are watching this, I already have Blake's bets in. But I'll make sure to get those down and track them. Uh, that way we can see what those standings end out to be on Tuesday. And then Thursday will be the last time. So the Thursday episode will be the last time that we have this FanDuel uh, bet of the month for this month. And so we're gonna we're gonna see. I think next month we're gonna try out a new sports book and kind of shop around and see what other sports books we can do this with. Um, but this month, FanDuel. So go over to uh, rising2.com slash FanDuel. That's risingt dot com slash FanDuel. Get signed up today. Bet $5 on any game and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Guys, check it out. It's an amazing deal. And that promo may vary based on your location. But that's all that we have for you guys today. Uh, make sure that you go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook. X, formerly known as twitter instagram all that fun stuff and we're trying to crank out a lot more new stuff out there on all of those social media platforms so please please go check us out over there on there and and follow us and give us some support there and if you haven't already hit that subscribe button here on youtube and you can also hit that like button on this video that helps us beat the algorithm more than you know and you can comment down below as well and help us out and help us keep on growing we love all of the growth that we've seen And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, you can give us a five-star review. That's another amazing way to help us out on those platforms. And if you don't listen on those, you can always go to our website and give us a review on the website itself. Uh, And that link is also down in in the description. So guys, we thank you all so much for all of your love, all your support. and Until next time.